You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Pacers podcast. My name is Adam Friedman. As always, I am one of the co-hosts of the Locked On Pacers podcast. And joining me on the other line today for a special weekend edition Locked On Pacers show, actually a crossover show to discuss the Spurs game, is Jeff Garcia, uh, the Locked On Spurs host. And he is the lead sports writer at, is it News 4 San Antonio? That's right, News 4 San Antonio and Fox 29 San Antonio, specifically their Spurs zone section. But uh, glad to hop on LOP. Good to talk to another fellow Locked On NBA brother. And yeah, it looks like uh, you and I have a lot to talk about considering the game that's on the horizon. Yeah, so I want to start with, uh, it's not about the game really, but so Kemba Walker was officially made available. I think it was yesterday, actually. We're recording this on a Saturday, so it'd be Friday. Uh, I've seen rumors of the Spurs maybe being in the market for him, the Pacers in the market for him. Uh, do you see any chance the Spurs would pull a trigger on a Walker trade? No, I don't. Um not at all. This Spurs team, I mean, when was the last time you've seen San Antonio in the headlines for making a huge splash in midseason trade? Maybe Richard Jefferson. Maybe that was the last time I could think the Spurs did something like this. Now, will they make a tweak here and there? Possibly. The Spurs, if when the trading deadline passes and the waiver wire begins, then you'll see the Spurs make tweaks. Now, look. Really think about this. Charlotte put out Kemba Walker out in the market. Here you go. Make your best offer at NBA teams. What do the Spurs have? Do the Spurs really going to give up a up-and-coming, blossoming player like DeJounte Murray? No. Are they going to give up a banged-up Tony Parker who's on the tail end of his career and uh, a leg that literally blew up in the playoffs? No. They're not going to give up um, – any draft picks, they don't have any draft picks. They're constantly in the uh, in the uh, not in the lottery. The Spurs just simply don't have the assets that I think that Charlotte would want. Now, if Charlotte wants some expiring contracts, okay, fine. And then there's Cal Anderson, um, so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, I don't see it happening. Now, yes, I get why the Spurs are in the rumor mill regarding Kemba. Spurs have a point guard issue. Parker is old. He's not the same TPs we saw years before. Murray still needs plenty of seasoning. Patty Mills, despite what the numbers say, and I've been defending him, he's having an offseason, but it's simply because he's being asked to do so many things that he's not used to. So, yeah, I could see why Kemba Walker's name would be tossed into the pile for San Antonio. But, yeah, I don't see it happening. I think Pop is going to roll with what he has. Pop is going to go to war with the guys that you pretty much see right now. And, I mean, look, is it is it obvious the Spurs have a point guard issue? Yes. They chased Kyrie Irving. They chased Chris Paul. They were swinging for the fences. Didn't come. Uh, they whiffed. Kyrie went to Boston. Paul ended up in Houston. So the Spurs know they have a point guard issue. I know they have it. You know they have it, Adam. The rest of the NBA knows it. But – Man, I mean, to get the caliber of a Kemba Walker on the Spurs team, as much as I would love to see that happen, I just don't think it's going to happen based on the assets the Spurs have. Actually, a good place to start where we're going to preview uh, the upcoming game is the point guard position for the Spurs. So Tony Parker has been back now, I guess you could say about six weeks, give or take. He came back early December, late November range. Um, How has he looked? And then sort of, I know he's been kind of shaky, but then who's kind of been – 
is it Patty Mills? Has he been the main backup? Is Murray getting minutes? Like, how are they kind of divvying up the time between <laughs> kind of the three guys they have? Uh, you know, it's been like a point guard carousel. Look, uh, Parker, let me get that first out of the way. Yeah, so Parker, he's been okay. Now, they still have him on a minutes restriction, despite the fact that he's already played, what, 21 games already? They still have it on that. It's going to be like that for at least for the rest of this month. I uh, spoke with Parker when the Spurs faced the Knicks uh, in New York City, and um, he pretty much said that this is how it's going to be for a majority of the guys, not just him. So obviously Kawhi, I know we're talking about him in a while, but Parker himself, Danny Green, who's been battling some injuries, Rudy Gay, uh, when he gets back, they're going to put him in a minutes restriction. Right now he's averaging close to about eight points per game, two rebounds per game, four assists. He's doing all that in about 22 minutes. Serviceable. Look, Parker is an NBA champ. He's a former NBA Finals MVP. He's an all-star. He's done it all. He's a Hall of Fame-bound locked player. But he's playing in, a, in, a, in, a, in an age where there are younger point guards out there, Westbrook, Paul, Harden, Curry, so on and so forth. And you got up and comings, Mitchell, Smith, and Dallas. Uh, he, he's, he, Popovich is just going to be loyal to him. He's going to play his minutes. Uh, I don't. Ex- he'll have the occasional 10, 15, maybe a 20-game explosion. But there'll be four, there'll be few and far between. At the end of the day, he's looking okay. Um, I think once the all-star break is over and the stretch run begins, I can expect him maybe to see his minutes spike to about 25, 26. But right now he's about 21, 22. Okay, so then for specifically looking at the game on Sunday, is DeJontis Murray the guy we're gonna kind of off the bench, or at least he's going to be the first guy off the bench, or would Patty Mills be the first one off the bench for the Spurs? I, I uh, like yeah. that recently. Yeah, it's, it's really game by game. I mean, you look at um, the game in Brooklyn, and Murray got the start, you know, but he was quickly yanked when he was being a sophomore guard in the NBA when he was making stupid mistakes. Um, it's really been a, a backup rotation carousel. It really has, Adam. And you one day you're gonna get Murray, one day you're gonna get Mills, one day you're gonna get Forbes, one day Forbes is gonna start, one day Mills is gonna start, one day Parker's gonna be out of the bench. Oh, it's a back-to-back. Okay, Parker's coming off the bench, maybe not play at all. Guess what? Mills is gonna start. It's really been up in the air, and I think it's matchup dependent. Um uh versus the Pacers, I can see Pop starting Parker and then bringing in Murray right off the bat. Uh, you know, it's it's simple as that. Um, it's been frustrating because and then maybe not for me. I don't play. I don't wear a silver and black jersey. But I know it's been frustrating for the players when they have selves saying that they can't get the chemistry down. Manu Ginobili just said it today as we record this show on a column that he writes uh, for an Argentinian outlet saying they don't have an identity yet. They don't have chemistry right now. And you got to wonder, like, how do you say that, Manu Ginobili? You have 30 wins on the season for your team and you don't have chemistry? I can only imagine what this team will look like if nobody was hurt, if everybody played off the out of the gates. Thirty uh, games uh, on the win total on the win side, the win column, not too shabby. But yeah, chemistry is kind of faltering. You're looking at uh, constant different uh, lineups. Uh, don't quote me on this, but I believe they already had 15, 16, 17 different starting lineups. I mean, that's how ridiculous it's been. But all in all, um, I you know I expect maybe Parker to get the get the nod uh, tomorrow night in San Antonio versus your Pacers. That's crazy that 
you said it, they, they, they're 30 and 17. They're third in the West. They're, yeah. I mean, it's crazy to say they don't have an identity. Um, I mean, you know, you, you just think of the Spurs, maybe their identity is the fact that they're just the consistent team. That's kind of how I look at them. They're like constantly the same, good at defense. Usually they're second in the league in defense, you know, a decent offense, but that's, that might be just their identity. It's just constantly being good. Uh, so again, going looking towards the game too, Kawhi is not going to play. Uh, either is Rudy Gay. What is going on with Kawhi? Uh, I know he's it's he came back for a little stretch and then he got hurt again. Right. Is, is he even going to play there any more this season, you think? Oh, uh, yeah, he'll he'll definitely play. Look, I um, I was in the media session with Popovich uh, prior to the uh, Spurs Mets game at the Barclays Center, and I left that media session feeling all is fine. One, they only use the word indefinitely simply because Popovich didn't want to be bothered with questions moving forward. That's all it came down to. And he, I mean, yeah, he was being, you know, silly about it. But yeah, I mean, at first, when I got the news, it was a little bit of a shock to the system, but I was still thinking it'll be okay. Now, I did talk to a few people in the know. Uh, they say that he will be back, that it won't be a long period of time, that it won't be anything like months on end or maybe right before the uh, playoffs begin, nothing like that. I personally expect him to be back after the all-star break, um, give or take a, a week or so. But nevertheless, I think he's fine. I think this is just the Spurs being the Spurs. There's precedent for this. They did this with Robinson. They did this with Duncan. They did this with Parker. They did this with Manu. They did this with, was, you name it, they've done it to many players. This is just typical Popovich. Now, look, the injury that Kawhi has is a bit concerning. The type of it is, I mean, think about it. He's Still in his prime. He's not even hitting 30 yet. He's in his mid-20s. He's a young guy, physical specimen. And he can't shake this. Yet Parker, who's 30 plus years, had his leg exploded in the playoffs, had to have surgery, and he bounced back faster than ever. So you gotta you gotta scratch your head a little bit, like, okay, Spurs, what's going on with Kawhi? They're not gonna reveal anything, they're gonna keep everything close to their chest. But Again, going back to the media session with Pop, he said that it wasn't a re-aggravation, it wasn't a re-injury, it wasn't anything that made it worse. It was simply, they just said, okay, we tried for a few games, what, like nine games that uh, Kawhi played. He couldn't get off um, feeling that, you know, his leg, I mean, his hip, his, I'm sorry, his thigh. I mean, yeah, you name it. I'm thinking how many injuries this team has had right now. Uh, but... His thigh is still not bouncing back. Even looking at the nine games that he played, he was still on minutes restrictions. He didn't play in back-to-back -back games. He sat out a couple of games when there wasn't even a back-to-back -back situation. So the Spurs are just being overly cautious. I really think that Kawhi will be back. I think he'll be back after the All-Star break, give or take a week or so. And I think you'll see him still be in that minute restriction, but you'll see Popovich unleash him maybe right before the playoffs start. Maybe it was that month and a half right before. And I think that's where you'll see prime Kawhi come to life. So uh -huh. I think Spurs fans can come off the ledge a bit. I think all is going to be okay. So you might you can call me crazy for asking this or even saying this, but when Kawhi returns or even right now, is this become more of LaMarcus Aldridge's team? Uh, he's having a fantastic year. He's basically kept the Spurs afloat, I would say. like He's the reason the Spurs are where they are. When Kawhi comes back, is it going to be more of a even just an Aldridge-centric offense, or do you think when Kawhi returns, it just goes back to him being kind of the centerpiece? Because Aldridge has been that, great this year. 
Yeah, that is the million dollar question. And that's what's the uh, been hanging over. Uh, that's been, kind of been like the subplot in all this. Yeah, the big headline is Kawhi's out. He's hurt. What's going on? But behind that is, oh, well, you know, LMA is playing really good. And maybe it's because Kawhi's not there. Look, let's rewind the clock a bit. Back in his Portland days, you heard it before, Adam. Your listeners heard it before. He didn't get along with Lillard, supposedly. He didn't like playing second fiddle. He wanted out. He wanted to be the centerpiece. Okay, he left the – well, he didn't leave Portland. He was a free agent, but he didn't resign with Portland, and he ended up inking a deal with the Spurs. Then he comes to the Spurs. He has a good first season with San Antonio. A second season, I still defend him. I think he second season wasn't horrible. He averaged a double-double. He averaged – close to 17 points and close to 11 rebounds in the second season. But then you fast forward to this season, and then he's just back on the scene. He's back to his Portland days. And you got to wonder, well, maybe it's because Kawhi was there. Look, obviously, no Kawhi equals more touches for him. No Kawhi equals he's going to be the Spurs' main focus offensively and defensively. Do I think that the issue will uh, arise? If and when Kawhi comes back, no, I don't. I think they're going to stick to what's been working with them, and that's been LaMarcus being the number one option. And I think you're going to see that continue when Kawhi gets back. That's not to say that Kawhi is not going to be a huge factor in their offense and defense. He is a two-time defensive player of the year winner, back-to-back no less. So you, this is a, this is a good problem to have. I think if you're the Spurs – what team wouldn't want to have this problem? Oh, no, what do we do with LaMarcus and Kawhi? No. Uh, I, I think at the end of the day, they're going to mesh Kawhi when he was playing through those nine games. I forget which game it was, but he was asked that million-dollar question, what's going to happen when you get back, and, you know, LMA's playing good. He said he's going to defer to him. That he's gonna, he'll, it's, it's him. So Kawhi's aware of it. LaMarcus is aware of it. The team is aware of it. I think the Spurs will be fine. All right, let's. I want to move to a little bit some of the matchups more in this game, like the player matchups. So, mm-hmm. without Kawhi, they obviously the Spurs don't have their best defensive player. How you do you see the Spurs kind of trying to attack uh, Oladipo? I know they just played the Raptors, so Demar Rosen has some of the same skill sets as Vic. So they might kind of. How do they attack? Let's say how do they attack DeRozan sort of defensively at least? How do they sort of try to slow him down? <laughs> well, they, they didn't really do a good job at all. <laughs> at all, I don't know. I mean, don't do what you did against DeRozan. I guess that's my best advice. <laughs> to the Spurs. I think they, look, defensively versus the Raptors as a whole, they did fine. I mean, they held them, what, to 86 points, and they averaged about 110 a game. So they did good, but, I mean, DeRozan just exploded in the uh, second half, and, you know, they just had no answer for that. And I think that's been the issue for this Spurs team, you know, struggling for an identity defensively and offensively. Well, not maybe not offensively because it's uh, LMA, but defensively, that's where it begins. Now, look, as far as uh, to to your question about how they had approached DeRozan, I'm sorry, what was your career? Um, Oladipo, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. I think, look, Oladipo and DeRozan are two different beasts. Yeah, you know, DeRozan is more of a mid range game. He's a little taller. Uh, Oladipo is, you know, he's a dynamo. He, he he's explosive. He can knock down the, the three point shot. I think this is going to go to. If he plays, uh, Danny Green. I think uh, Danny Green will probably get the assignment. I think uh, he's a bigger guard. He's Don't let that bigger frame fool you. He's pretty quick. He's one of the more under- underrated defensive perimeter players in the league. And 
I think he'll be getting the nod at trying to slow down Oladipo. I think that's where the Spurs have to begin and end as far as slowing down your pacers is simply Oladipo. The guy is just playing uh, ballistically right now coming uh, into his first season with Indiana. I would also expect to see maybe different looks at Oladipo. I would I was supposed to see Murray, who is, and I think in my opinion, is an underrated uh, def- a player, defensive player. He's long, he's lanky, he can play the lanes. He has a wide uh, wingspan. Uh, I think he can cause some issues. I think you're going to look at the Spurs showing different matchups at him, different looks at him. Green, Murray. If you put Parker on him, then guess what? You got the win, but he'll just wreck Parker. Uh, Mills, the same thing, too. So I think those two guys are a liability on defensively on Oladipo, but the Spurs do have players that can cover him and make his life miserable. Look, you know, you can't shut down Oladipo. The guy is playing great this season. But you can definitely make his life miserable, and I think that's what the Spurs are going to do. All right. We said we we're going to rotate questions before we we were talking before we started this podcast. So I've now gone 15 minutes of asking my questions. Uh, I went, do you have any questions for, you know, you got your Spurs listeners? Yeah. 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 What are you know. about the Pacers? I'm, I'm, I'm taking enough time of asking you about Spurs stuff. Oh, don't worry about it. Uh, as far as uh, your Pacers are concerned, look, you look at the Eastern Conference. Yeah, it's all been Boston and Cleveland, Boston and Cleveland. Yay. But what are the Pacers? How do the Pacers stack in all this? Um, so I think it starts with, they clearly aren't in the top tier. So there's kind of this tier. I say, I even throw Toronto in that top tier now. Uh, Pacers are probably in that kind of mid tier right now, but they played Cleveland well. They played Boston twice and close second time, obviously, on that terrible loss. But I think right now the Pacers are just sort of content with being maybe somewhere between probably the five and the eight seed. You know, I don't think they have this high expectations that they're going to be able to knock off one of the top three teams, but I think there is. Some thought that if they get the five seed, they could win a playoff series, maybe. But that's going to take them, you know, obviously they've been kind of going back and forth between they lost five in a row and they won four in a row. Yeah. And so they got to kind of get some more stable play and more consistency, I guess. But right now, I think they're probably think they're in a good position just because basically there's now just nine teams competing for playoff spots in the East. The Knicks have kind of fallen back mm-hmm. a little bit. So it's basically they'd have to just get past basically either Philly or Detroit or Milwaukee right now. And I think, they like where they're at, um, especially because they're sort of waiting for Turner to come back too. He's just got hurt with a uh, strain. We think it's like a UCL strain. They're being kind of mum on what it actually is. But I think they like their position currently just because they're in the hunt. Nobody thought they'd be in the hunt, and they're they're floating above 500. And they look like a, at least a decent playoff team. You, you know, you're looking at tonight or, or the matchup between the Spurs and Pacers, and I look at this Pacers team, and I'm like, okay, well, in their last five, they're three and two. Uh, so what's what's the deal? And the first thing that jumps out of my mind is their offense. I mean, you look at what they're doing in the last five games. They're only averaging about 99 points on the season. They're they're well over 100, close to 107 points per game. What do you think is going on with their offense of late? So I think part of it is there. This is the last game of their West Coast road swing. So it's kind of kind of been funky from the beginning. I mean, they lost their last two games. They lost it back to back on Thursday and Friday. I think that just has something with just being on the West Coast. It's just hard on a team, especially a young team like this. But I think they've been offensively challenged in some sense because they've been without Turner now for four games. And although he's not like some overpowering offensive threat, he does provide just like a little more stretchability on the offensive end when you're starting Sabonis, who can score up the same level as Turner. He just doesn't provide the floor spacing the same way. And I think that kind of hurts the Pacers. He also 
They also have to play Al Jefferson off their bench a lot. So now they can't run as fast as they want to run with their bench unit. You know, the Pacers' whole goal is to push, push, push. Just keep keep going, get a rebound, run, run, run on either with their bench unit or their starters. But when they have to play guys like Jefferson or even the rookie TJ Leaf, they just can't run as fast. And that sort of, you know, it loses, they lose four or five points, you know, per game just because they can't get the extra three or four shots up. So that's probably been what's recently affected them. And then, you know, a lot of it too depends on a game is how Vic plays. If Victor Oladipo scores, you yeah. know, he can go for 30 sometimes. When he does that, they'll score 120. But it just sort of – it kind of depends on his night how he's doing. Because sometimes he goes like 7 of 17, and sometimes he goes, you know, 11 of 14. It's just sort of – it's how he's shooting on, on any given night that kind of affects their offense. Yeah, exactly. You know, I look at this Pacers team, and I think you – know, when I see the type of roster that Indiana boasts, and I'm thinking – they're just what are they barely above 500 on the season i think they're what 24 and 22 yeah exactly so I mean, you would think look they're seventh in the east third in the division and i just always felt that this pacer team just lacking that one thing and i can't put my finger on it they got offensive high firepower is it really their defense i think do you think if you if this pacers team was to make a deal what would you make a deal for uh better more offense or maybe defense um you know i actually really like kemba walker for the pacers just because they don't seem to have that number two scoring threat yet uh you'll you can notice at end of games a lot of times uh the lakers did this on actually on friday where they just double teamed uh oladipo they were like we're gonna double team him and make somebody else score it's kind of the same thing in the paul george era where they would just double team to double team george and make somebody else score uh, Pacers don't really have a number two threat on offense all the time. You know, Turner's not quite there yet when he's healthy. Um, you know, I don't really, I'm not a huge fan of like Thaddeus Younger, Bojan in the clutch at times. So I, I feel like that number two score, I think it kind of would make the offense even better. But they also could use a kind of a three, a small forward defender. They just don't really have that kind of guy. They're hoping to get Glenn Robinson yeah. back at some point. He can kind of be that guy. But, you know, when they have to play Bojan or Lance Stevenson, where they're, you know, Stevenson is an adequate defender, but he's just not, you know, he can't stop the really good small forwards, like even a Kawhi when he's healthy. Those guys, like, they don't have a guy like George who could stop, you know, the best small forwards in the league. They don't have a guy like that anymore. Yeah, exactly. All right, so well, my last question is, when you're looking at the matchup between your Pacers and my Spurs, what is the first thing that jumps out of you? And if you were in the coaching room and if you were talking to the players, you say, you know what, guys, we got to stop this one thing. And if we stop this one thing, we should be all right and get the W. What would that be? So – I was looking at it before, so I'm not sure it's stop one thing. It's you got to get the Spurs running. So the Spurs are like one of the slowest teams in the NBA. Uh, I think they're actually, I want to say they're like 29th in pace or close to that. They're they're an older team. They don't, yeah, they're 29th in pace. They don't really want to run fast. And the Pacers are like, well, at least at one point we're a top 10 team in pace. I think if they can get the Spurs running up and down the court really fast, you know, get some of the old guys moving more than they usually do, like Parker, um, even Aldridge. I mean, he's obviously not like super old, but even like, Manu at times they're just the Spurs are an older team so they don't like to play as fast and that's kind of the Pacers kind of goal in every game if they can get the, a team running especially a team that's not used to running they can take advantage of them on the fast breaks they can spread the floor out really well with Bojan at times but if they don't you know if they don't play well good enough defense on their end to you know force the Spurs into missing shots and they just let kind of Aldridge do his thing down low and slow it down they're going to lose this game so it's really just about getting the pace up so I think if the game is in the hundreds the Pacers are going to win this if it's in the 80s 90s I think the Spurs are going to are going to win it yeah and also doesn't help your Pacers that they're playing in San Antonio the best home record in the NBA right now at 18 and two uh, 
So, yeah, uh, at the end of the day, my prediction, I think the Spurs get the W. I think it's going to be a uh, a Spurs-controlled pace. I'm expecting maybe the Spurs get the W 90 to 80. Yeah, I would agree with you. I'm not, I would agree it's probably going to be like a 95, 85, 87 score, something like I think between – I don't think the Spurs can, can blow them off the court particularly. I don't think they're going to win by like 20, but I think a five to 10 point win is more realistic. Uh, yeah. But even when I was talking with my co-host on the Lockdown Pacers, when we were doing a preview of the week, it was, you just, you, it's hard to sweep a team like San Antonio. You know, the Pacers are not going to sweep San Antonio. They, they stole that game earlier in the year on that amazing <laughs> where he, he should know business making an alter that she played him pretty well. He just made a better shot. Um, it's just hard to sweep a team like the Spurs. You just pop doesn't let, let you do that to him. So that's kind of where I'm thinking is that they're going to lose because Pop's not going to let himself get swept. Plus, they're amazing at home. I mean, they're probably they're probably the number one home team in the, the league right now, right? Yeah, they are. They are the um, the best. They boast the best uh, NBA uh, home record, 18 and two. And man, I you know, if it was just you and me off the record, and I'd be like, I, I wish they could just take the 18 and T center with them on the road because at the road they just they just stink up the joint. My goodness, look at last night. They, versus the Raptors, I mean, didn't even hit forty percent shooting, and well, and well, uh, in, way far from uh, percentage three point wise. I think what thirty two percent from the three point line and thirty nine percent. My God, it was a brick house versus the Raptors. Air Canada was rebuilt last night by the Spurs into a brick. It's all brick now, and they still even had a shot of winning, right? They, they I mean, the score ended up being a three point game. I didn't watch the game, so I don't know. What, but it, they still yeah. had a shot to win at some point, right? It wasn't like they were going to get they weren't getting blown out at least. Yeah, Brent Forbes did like a clutch three at the end to make things interesting, and I think it was like 16 seconds left, and you know they just and DeRozan missed two free throws at the end, and they still had a chance to at least tie. And nope, they um, another break went up from the silver and black. But nonetheless, yeah, looking forward to the game. Um, hopefully, it'll be a good one. I think the Spurs. I think the Spurs are going to get a little challenged to, uh, by your Pacers, though. Yeah, I, I hope they can make it close at least. The Pacers need to sort of turn it around. They have now they've lost back to back. You know, when you start to lose three or four games, it's discouraging, especially for the guys in the roster. Uh, so that's been it for today's Locked On Pacers podcast. Jeff, where can people follow you at on Twitter? Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Jeff G Spurs Zone. Also, don't forget to go to newsforsanantonio.com, Fox Twenty Nine SanAntonio.com. Specifically, the Spurs Zone. We cover the Spurs there daily, hourly, almost twenty four hours. It feels like. So make sure to go out there and um, check out everything. And, uh, yeah, let's talk some Spurs Pacers, Pacer fans. And as always, you can subscribe to the Locked On Spurs podcast or the Locked On Pacers podcast on iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, are you guys on Spotify yet? I think we just got on Spotify. Yeah, I think we're on there too. Yeah, I, I think we're one of the last batch that made it. Yeah, so wherever you listen to your podcast, you can subscribe to both and, shows. And, and- if I we, I mean me, <laughs> try doing a host host a show by yourself. It's not fun. Yeah, that's, I like having a co-host. I don't, I don't know how you do it solo. That's hard. Well, it's rough sometimes, but no, it, it's fun. It, it has a, it's a pros and cons. It's it's good in the sense of well, you know, I don't have to worry about scheduling times with anybody. I can just do whenever I want to. But then it's bad because they're five minutes in. I'm like, well, I'm done. So yeah, that's another lockdowns first right there. <laughs> All right, well, that's been it for today's Locked On Spurs, Locked On Pacers crossover podcast. Have a great rest of your guys' day.